team. This is the Innovation Inc. podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Brown Evans. We sit down with our favorite entrepreneurs and nerd out on anything that involves innovation in the corporate space. So if you work for a corporate company, but you think like an entrepreneur, we're your people, and we're really excited you're here. Before we jump in, a huge thank you to our sponsor and Inc. 5000 company, APAC Software. They create powerful custom software, websites, and mobile apps that take your business's innovative ideas and turn them into realities. Reach out today to get a quote at apacsoftware.com. All right, everyone, let's get to it. I'm very excited today. We have a guest who drove an hour, two hours. We'll give you an hour and a half. We'll say that you took that much time. Uh, we have Jim Tavernelli from KLH Engineers. He is based in Northern Kentucky. Um, Jim, a couple of fun facts about Jim. He's been with KLH for over 20 years. You celebrated your 20th, it sounds like. Started as a wee electrical engineer back in the day and is now president and COO. Uh, he's a huge Dayton Flyers fan. I'm looking at his coffee mug right now. And finally, my favorite thing of all the things you could display on LinkedIn that you chose to keep on there is that you are the president of the Anderson Little League. Is that still true? That is true. Okay. Yes. So Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, a little bit more about KLH. Um, obviously your name gives away a few things. You guys are engineers, but tell us about you guys and then we'll hop into innovation. So um, quick fun fact about, you know, 20 years, eclipsing 20 years <laughs> at, at the business. So I, I did go to the University of Dayton. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I met my now wife there while um, I was a senior. So she was a sophomore. And when I graduated, uh, in order to keep the relationship going, because it was worth continuing, I moved an hour south opposed to four and a half hours northeast. And I started looking for, um, you know, an opportunity to find a job, right? And you know, this, this precedes, you know, career builder, indeed, LinkedIn. So it was, you know, a lot of dial up internet stuff. And, and I ended up finding KLH and it's the one and only job I've had since college, which is rare. Um, but I'm proud of it. And, and when I tell people that I've been there that long, their first question is, well, well, why, why have you stayed there that long? And my answer is very simple. It's, uh, it's the leadership philosophies, um, the selflessness, and the opportunity that exist amongst the leadership, and I'm a you know a good example of just that. You know, an opportunity to build something significant at the business, and they supported me through it all, with mentorship, with resources, you name it. You know, they they stood by their word, and as it became more substantial, you know, just the natural exposure to to leadership growth that that just naturally happens when when you're in charge of something and and the unpredictable things that you encounter uh leading teams things like that um it's been a wonderful wonderful ride and and when um you know our then president and ceo joe Coors was was thinking about stepping down he identified me as a potential successor now at the time i can't believe that that was even the case because of well, actually, I would tell you at the time, I thought I could rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's a lie. Um, uh, you know, I was a little, a little arrogant. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. But um, brought me into those discussions, those meetings, and started mentoring me even that much more. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to tell you a little bit about KLH's story. I think it's very unique as it relates to just the changing 
environment within the construction industry. Um, that said, KLH Engineers is an engineering consultant, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, engineering consultant in the architectural engineering and construction industry. For short, that's AEC. Uh, we provide traditional engineering services. I mentioned ME&P. We also do fire protection, fire alarm, communication technology, uh, systems lighting design, uh, all the traditional, you know, and, and progressive engineering services that you'd find with, frankly, any of, any of our competitors. Uh, that's not what separates KLH from an otherwise crowded space. Um, but we, you know, I, th this is how I characterize it. Architects design buildings. We bring those buildings to life. I don't think mm -hmm. I just violated any GE um, you know, <laughs> taglines right there, but so that, that's the way I would, that's the way I would describe what KLH does. Uh, we also serve, um, all the major markets, industrial, retail, commercial, education, entertainment, uh, healthcare is a big one. Um, so pretty much the gamut, you know, we, we do it all. I'm particularly excited for people to hear the story of KLH, especially, it sounds like over the last really two, three, five years, um, there are a few things on our prep call that I've not been able to stop thinking about. So I'm excited for our audience to hear it. So why don't, this is going to be much more of a story than I think a lot of our other interviews, because you guys just have such an incredible one over the last few years, especially as you've been really coming into leadership. So take us back a few years ago. The question I gave you is, what does innovation mean to KLH? And you just blew me away. So walk our audience through that. Okay. Um, it's a story that's loaded with emotional details. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been awesome. Um, but the way it, it all started was about six years ago, we, we had some, some serious issues and I was a shareholder then a minority shareholder at that, but still, you know, looked at, look upon as a leader in the business. And I just wasn't acting like one. And this is right around when I became COO, uh, and we just had quality issues. We had consistency issues. We had like culture issues. We had turnover, you know, out, out the, out the ass, if that's allowed to be said. <laughs> um, so, and, and the thing was, most of us were just ignoring it and we weren't doing anything. And moreover, you know, I said quality, right? That the, the product of our services are construction documents. These are drawings in lay terms. They're, you know, the blueprints, um, and that's what contractors use to build buildings. Right? They are the, the builders, the installers of what architects and engineers design. And, and our drawings were just, I mean, they were garbage. And we were ignoring a lot of the signs that, uh, that, that were telling us that we were on the path to obsolescence. And thankfully, I mentioned Joe, he organized an offsite retreat about yeah, six years ago, it was August of 2016, to challenge the technical leaders of the company then around how do we fix this thing? But the first thing was waking us up to the fact that there was a problem. And um, it pointed out that we weren't innovating, we weren't acting like owners of the business, we weren't, you know, making hard decisions about, you know, strategic direction of the company, uh, decisions about what kind of work we want to do, how we're going to do it. Um, and, and, you know, that said, you know, he, he's a second generation owner about to, you know, he, he's about to divest. We're 
quote unquote, the third generation of ownership. And he hit us right between the eyes with something that I'll never forget, you know, knowing that one third of all companies going through a third generational change. Now, KLH is not a family owned business. This is true of family owned business as well as non-family owned businesses. One third of those companies survive. Said differently, two thirds of those do not, right? They become irrelevant. They go out of business. And he asked us, are you the generation that kills the business? And that, that, that put us on our heels Wow! And it, and it started to, you know, it forced us to think differently. Now, emotionally, that is what set the stage on, on how to change on, on the fact that something needed to change. And the rest of the conversation was, was, was easy. Now there was some arguments and there was some fighting, but it was all very therapeutic and healthy in terms to arrive at what was the, what became the charter of what we affectionately call our technical strategy, right? We are a technical company and we, again, engineers aren't that creative, but we called it the technical <laughs> strategy. It's functional, right? It works. Uh, and and it, it landed on, on three things. We needed to abandon 2D software, uh, drawing softwares, two-dimensional, right? Unintelligent and migrate entirely migrate the entire business entirely into three dimension, what is called building information modeling. These are smart models. This is the whole digital twin concept that you may be hearing about in construction. It is the digital rep representation, the replica of what physically gets built um, rather than, you know, traditionally the blueprints, right? You see a facilities guide blow off the dust of a, of a set of blueprints to figure out what's happening in a building or whatever. It's now all computer-based. So entirely migrating into three-dimensional space. The second was leveraging data in a more meaningful way. And you can do that in a, in a BIM model. Um, so building a, a database that allows us to leverage calculations, you know, owner criteria, uh, historical performance data in a meaningful way that allowed us to not recreate the wheel. Because the trend that's happening in construction, <clears throat> excuse me, is the ongoing commoditization of design. All right. I said that we, we create the, the, the drawings. There is less and less value being placed on the drawing creation because of the technology that is available to to owners in that regard. So the trend in construction, as I said, is the ongoing com commoditization of design. All right, too often, so there's fee compression, there's schedule compression, and all these things apply force on design companies to, um, to jump right into a, 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 a project and start what is called drafting. So less emphasis on the consulting side of the business you know, the, the, from an engineering perspective, it is the, you know, consulting on big dollar decisions like chiller plants, boilers, switch gear, the electrical distribution. And instead we get right into the drafting exercises of laying out lighting fixtures in a classroom or a patient room, whatever hmm. the case might be. And those are not the things that add value. And those are the things that can be automated. The, to the owner. Yes. Those are the things that can be automated. And yet we found ourselves in this space of you know, that's really all the value that we provided. And so that was one of the challenges from that offsite. So harnessing data in a way that automates those types of decisions, 
to to um, to to provide more capacity for our engineers to be more consultative. And the third piece is to to, to leverage software in a more meaningful way. And that included building a software team at KLH. And I got to tell you, that is incredibly unique for a company like us, for a company in construction, period, that worked directly in the API of the software that we use to execute our work to find opportunities to create process efficiency for our design process. And... You know, there's a wonderful thing that happens when you put a software engineer <clears throat> next to a next to a, a an electrical engineer, for example, that's taking the known pains from the trench, the bottlenecks that exist in the process, because an, a software engineer doesn't need to know how to design buildings. Coders code, as they say, as long as they understand the problem statement and what you're trying to accomplish they can take that ball and they can run with it. And so that, that is the trend that we started to see. And that was the third charter. So the easy part here is, is to agree on what needs to happen. So at that offsite, we all put our hands in the, in the center and said, you know, we felt good about it. Right. Kumbaya yeah. Around, yeah. The hard part is then going back to the office and like, okay, now what are we going to do about this? How are we going to get this thing off the ground organizationally with the employees? How are we going to get build buy-in and that type of thing? And, and, and in the early days, uh, we, uh, we introduced the, the whole Kanban concept, which is a popular uh, agile method within, you know, I think it started in, in automotive and, and even in software, but we adopted it. We put our own spin on it. But in the early days, you know, we, it was five of us uh, standing around this Kanban with the swim lanes and it was awkward, right? It was very <laughs> awkward. It, it, it was almost like we were just staring at each other during these huddles. Like, now what am I supposed to say? And one of the things that I learned, you know, in my position is just to fight through the awkwardness or the silliness or the constant introspection that I would experience typically in the shower, by the way, Liz, was, <laughs> you know, I would take like hour long showers because I would get lost in my own head around like, is this the right thing I need to be doing? Is this the right thing I should, should I said this, should I've done that? And you don't know, no, damn it. We're going to stick with this thing. We're going to find our, we're going to find our groove and this thing is going to start to work for us. And so this combine was in the middle of our office for a very intentional reason is because I want it to be visible. I wanted all of our employees to see it on their way to the restroom. And so at some point, it, you couldn't ignore the thing. It just, and it started to snowball. So it went from five people to 10 people. And at its largest point, I think we had like 40 people standing around this huddle every day from 2 to 2.30. And that type of ritualistic type behavior, sticking to a, a, you know, a cadence was important. And whether or not someone was contributing to the actual huddle, right? Iterative improvements to an electrical improvement or a mechanical improvement, whatever the case may be. You know, just that, you know, an employee observing that type, the conversation and the behavior and what we're trying to accomplish, just it, it increased the momentum of adoption within the organization. Now, I need to tell you that KLH maybe 10 years ago, suffered from a, I think a very common disease. It's called uh, shiny object syndrome, right? So <laughs> it's, oh, that's a great idea. We're sure. going to go do this. And we put two weeks of effort into it. 
and the employees are skeptical, like, are we really doing this thing? And lo and behold, we all get busy and it kind of dies and falls to the wayside. And so we had to, we had to prove to our employees that this, this technical strategy, these three major initiatives were here to stay. So fighting through that, you know, hosting like town hall meetings, just to, you know, Q&A, hit me with your questions, that type of behavior of just thinking outside the box. I hate that expression, by the way, but, <laughs> but, you know, trying new things on how do we increase adoption along the way. And so um, that was a, that was a wonderful process mm-hmm. and it was all centered around innovating routine, uh, routine things, right? See, it started with saving clicks. It, it eventually got to much larger, um, you know, opportunities to automate um, entire workflows, not necessarily just one singular task. Um, and, and so that, that software team continued to grow. Uh, and during that, during that time, I, I need to tell you that there were a lot of, there were still skeptical employees. And as much as I, you know, fought to, to win over their skepticism, you know, they would look at hiring an additional software engineer, which by the way, is entirely overhead to our business. It's not a billable, billable position. Employees would think, well, you know, there goes my bonus. Why are we, you know, why are we spending these dollars on these types of things? And it's all part of that journey to build something substantial. The returns don't come overnight. I I just couldn't believe at how many people thought that we do one thing and it's going to pay dividends a week from now. No, it takes years yep. to get to a point of significance. And so that said, there were a lot of people that left the company and that was hard mm. for me to endure. You know, turnover wow. in any capacity is, 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 is shitty, right? It, it sucks to deal with emotionally and then the damage control that, that follows. But I look back on it thinking, you know, that was absolutely necessary turnover to get us where we are today. Um, so what does innovation mean to KLH in a very long-winded way? I would say it's everything. It's relevance. The reason why we we went on this, this journey to begin with, why did we have that huddle? It's about relevancy. It's about survival. I said we we're on the path to obsolescence because we were not val- providing value to our customers. And and. and you know, if, as long as you're, you know, you're not doing that and you're not even looking out 30 years from now, how do I give my career a shot to, 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 you know, live out in this industry? You know, it's just not going to happen. So thinking in those terms, um, is what, what set us on that path. Yeah. Two things I love from just, and we're not even at the end of the story, which is what I love, but is we actually have a sign in the front of our office or a quote that says, it's hard to be great at anything that you don't think about in the shower. Uh, white, white combinator guy. Um, so you're, you're not alone in that. It's a very startup way of thinking. Um, but two, I, I think what I love in like watching your emotion, telling this story is that innovation change, turning a literal ship in a different direction. It can be awkward and, and hard and weird. And it's a lot easier to just look at that bottom line and say, are we doing that three, 3% year over year growth? I don't want to think about 10 years down the road. And you, you guys went and did that. And that I think is what, what so many companies just won't push through. And so they won't be around. That is the bottom line. And I'm going to steal your phrase that you said, uh, in our prep call, which is that you guys essentially burned the business down and rebuilt it. Like that, that's awkward. That's hard. But, 
and where I would love for you to kind of go next, it opened up this whole new opportunity, new verticals, a new direction of where you guys headed next, it sounds like. I'm glad that you you, you bring that up. It, it, it not only jogs my memory in, in the moment here, it was much easier on the prep call, by the way. <laughs> but but nonetheless, um, you know, I'm going to hit on for, for just a second again, sort of it's this whole change had to start top down and that started with me as 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 the leader of the organization thinking about my like how can i expect the employees to change their behavior if i'm not willing to do that myself and so it was thinking in the shower how are the, what are the, the new strategies i'm going to implement to try to increase adoption and one of those things you know is is turning the organization into an offensive minded uh, company. Too often we were playing defense and there's a popular business type of axiom that is, you know, or a question it's, you know, is your business playing offense or defense? Because too frequently we're playing defense and we had to change the perspective to be, to be, to be playing offense. And so at the end of each of our Kanban huddles, you know, I, again, here's one of those silly moments where I'm like, I don't care what anyone like, guys, put your hands in the middle <laughs> and we're going to count on offense on three. And I just explained that little story and people are like, are we really doing this? Like, this is, this is, you know, you don't do this in the office and we did it. And it, it was silly at first, but it became over time, something that has significant meaning in our business today. And um, that's culture. Like you, you built a two to two thirty PM culture, like stake in the ground that I imagine has continued from there. It's all about culture. You know, the, the old uh, Peter Drucker comment about, you know, culture eating strategy for lunch is true. You know, you can have the world's best strategy. It don't mean shit if you don't have the culture to execute it. I mean, flat out. So that is where my energy and my effort was was focused mostly. Believe me, I'm not the smartest guy in the company, right, in terms of engineering. That is where I, you know, we had a wonderful team of, of, of engineers that, that filled in those gaps. And it's one of those, you know, the, the sum of the parts is greater than it, it, it just, it just goes to show you that, that, you know, the team is, is, is critical. Um, so I mentioned, you know, in the early days, it started with, um, you know, in, I'll just say, I'll summarize it this way. We had to fix our own shit first within the walls. And that's where, you know, saving clicks. But as we identified opportunities now to bring value outside the walls of KLH, because quite frankly, just because we were doing our, our work more efficiently, our customers didn't. They're like, you know, good for you. I'm glad to hear that. But how is that bringing value to me? And we needed to focus on, on those things. And something really wonderful happens when you commit your, your organization or even yourself, I mean, I think these are things apply to your personal lives. When you commit yourself to, to change for the, for the right reasons, all these other residual opportunities start to present themselves. And it's not like back, you know, at the beginning of this, we said, you know what, in five years from now, we want to have this startup entity that's doing X, Y, and Z. No, that only, that only reveal that, that opportunity reveals itself at some time, let me four years down the road. And we started to look broader. And one of the things that um, we determined uh, is that construction is a very joyless experience for owners. Amen. <laughs> you know, whether or not you're, you're, you know, a business owner, whether you did a, a renovation within your own personal home, 
you have all this excitement, right? It's an exciting time in your life or in the business's history, right? We're expanding our plant for whatever reason, for growth. You go into this whole construction process with great excitement only to get like your soul crushed through it all <laughs> because you start to understand all the waste that exists in the industry, in, in the whole process. And we committed ourselves to, you know, we need to bring joy to construction. That is our, our vision, mission and vision. And that opened up the door to all these other opportunities to provide value to, to the owner client, as well as the true consumer of our work is in fact the contractor, right? Within the value stream, you know, our, our contracts are, are generally held with architects, not all the time, but, but traditionally speaking. And yet we're serving the needs of an architect when the true consumer, like a great construction, by the way, right across the street, they are the true consumer of, of our services. And we, we discovered that they had a very poor opinion of engineers like KLH, not just KLH, the whole engineering community. And so about three years ago, I had the opportunity to go on the road and speak to peer groups, contractor peer group. I'm talking about electrical, mechanical, general contractor general contractor peer groups all around the country with one real, you know, objective was to understand how they feel about engineers. And I entered that environment with an enormous amount of, of humility because I had to acknowledge first that I know we suck, right? I know that. So please tell me like, how do you feel about it? And what, 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 what can we change? And that informed subsequent, um, strategies on how to provide more value. And they, they said a few things. The first is that they see engineers as a necessary evil, right? We are registered, we have the stamp, we're stamping the drawings. And for that reason, right, that's the only, like we're serving the needs of a permit. Is that really the, the value that we're providing? In the event that that gets automated by some tech, right, we're out, we're out on the street, we're out of business. The second thing is like the product that we're producing is incomplete, it's it's not coordinated with the other trades and it's not constructible. Like we are not thinking about, you know, constructability. Can this thing actually be installed in the field? Will this piece of equipment in a renovation actually fit through the door? Like we don't, we're just not giving those types of thoughts into our process. And the last piece is that they have such little confidence in what we're providing them that they are, uh, they are building, vertically integrating design services in-house. They are building their own teams of engineers, which would, would suggest that they don't want to deal with this anymore. They're sick of it. And so we brought this, this information back to the office, and it, it just added fuel to the fire, right, which, is, which informed what we needed to do subsequent to that. And, and we landed on, on, a, on a few things. The first was, um, you know, I mentioned data as a core uh, tenant of, of the strategy. Um, we, we view data as its own discipline. Electrical engineering is a discipline. Architecture is a discipline. Data is also a discipline. And owner clients have all these aspirations to leverage data within a BIM model uh, in, in order to use it for um, a host of different reasons, depreciating assets, facilities, when are they maintaining certain assets, uh, certain, you know, pieces of equipment? Um, when, when, 
when do they need to think about replacement? Those types of that that type of thought is totally absent in construction. So we view data as a discipline. And I mentioned how owner clients, they want to leverage data also in a meaningful way. Um, but they don't know how to do that when it comes to construction. And oftentimes owners will put together what is called a BIM execution plan. And it, it, it outlines all of the requirements of not just the design team, but the, but the contractors as well. And, and when, in that RFP pursuit, what typically happens is everyone checks about, oh yeah, we do BIM, we do BIM, no, no, no problem. And then when the project gets awarded, all they're doing is drafting, no intelligence whatsoever within, within their, their product. And the owner is left with the same old shit, to pardon my language. Um, and so we, we found an opportunity to provide more value to not just the owners, but also other parts of the value stream. That's what I mean, looking outside our walls. How do we provide more value? And as data as a discipline, we came up with this, with this startup called Levcon Analytics. And it's meant to be a consulting engagement, but there's also a product that we've created that helps everyone on the design team interface with a BIM model more efficiently because their proficiency within the, the 3D BIM model is lacking. Um, so uh, Levcon um, is an engagement that provides more value to the owner. And, um, and at the completion of a project, the owner now has the opportunity to leverage the data that is embedded with, within a BIM model in a more meaningful way. Um, so that's Levcon. We call these our five verticals, by the way, the first vertical, and there's a reason why it's number one is KLH Engineers, the consulting engineering <laughs> the company. OG. The OG. Yeah, yep. we, we, it is the OG and it is all about number one. We got to feed number one. And I always said that by, culturally, I always said, you know, guys, we're building this, you know, we're building a new airplane on the airplane we're currently flying. And that sort of speaks to, we got two jobs to do, right? We're building LevCon at the same time we're, we're, we're serving our our, our engineering projects. Well, and just to back up before you keep going, what I find to, to put some innovation terms on this. And what I love is that you took a moment, went out and did customer discovery, which no one bothers to do anymore, found all of the pain points and then came back and said, all right, here are the five products. Essentially you used to have one. sounds like it was crap. You said that, not my words, in case any employee that. And then, and then you said, and here are the five. As it existed, it was Yeah, crap. as existed. And so then you essentially created these five product lines and competencies, which are, it sounds like LevCon, KLH, and then these three others. Yeah. Um, so the, the third one here is, is software solutions. The opportunity to become a software consultant. I mentioned we, part of the original charter was to introduce software engineering into our workflows to automate the routine build capacity for engineers to focus on the more enjoyable tasks, the more consulting uh, tasks uh, of, of the role. But another wonderful opportunity presented itself that we were now seen as sort of a thought leader and an expert in this space. I mean, you know, there are all sorts of software companies out there, startups, tech startups that are purporting to solve all the pains within construction. And by the way, construction is one of the last major industries to be disrupted by tech. Hmm. There's a whole host of reasons why that is that I'm not going to go into, but you have all of these tech startups just chomping at the bit to disrupt construction. 
but there's a lot of skepticism amongst uh, amongst the the end users there because they don't understand all the thousand little like decision points that exist within a project. And so we saw the opportunity as we're practitioners, we understand the pains, we're in the trench, we get all that. And we've look how it look what it's done for our business. Um, and so we started to be highly sought after from from the market in terms of, hey, we've heard the KLH story. How do we get on this journey? Like, please help us. And it turned into, you know, we didn't charge for these things. It's like, yeah, like, we'll, we'll come help you. We'll share our story. Any way we can be a, you know, a mentor in that regard. Which goes back to what I love, what you're talking about. Not all of these opportunities presented themselves six years ago. Some of them came up as you guys walked down this journey, namely you started focusing on data and then all of a sudden you're consultants. You couldn't have predicted that six we years ago. We couldn't have predicted any of that. And, and, you know, I meant bring joy to construction. That's, you know, influencing and changing a $1.6 trillion industry. Yes, we, a small company in Northern Kentucky are capable of doing that and we are doing that. And it's not like we're trying to hold any of these things, you know, close to the vest or you know, we're trying to trying to hold these as secrets. We want to build everyone else up, change the industry in that regard. If it, you know, if you, if you hide, if you're, if you're selfish in that regard, you know, you, you just, you, you just don't experience the type of change that you desire. And so, you know, they were asking like, can we, can we hire you for consulting, a software consulting engagement? And with those small uh, little opportunities that transformed into something much, much bigger. And now the major uh, software players in construction are reaching out to KLH engineers as a means to partner, as a means to acquire the IP that we've created. You know, there's a number of ways that these arrangements take place, which has been an entirely new set of like learnings for us is, is how, how is software priced? How is software deployed? What is the change management strategies in organizations once once uh, software is in fact deployed within a business? So that's number three is software solutions, which is not yet an entity, but it will become an entity uh, here by the end of the year, if I have anything to say about it. The fourth is really interesting. Uh, it's called domain, not domain, as many people get it wrong. It's domain, D-E-M-A-I-N. And Domain stands for design, D-E, manufacturing, M-A, and installation, I-N. And the way that that came about, you know, I mentioned that, um, you know, we went out and we talked to contractors, how they felt about us. And so, you know, once we realized, hey, they are the true consumer of our products, they're the ones who are going to put us out of business, we wanted to reach out. How do we partner? How do we provide more value? And so, you know, not everyone took us seriously. They, they agreed with what we were saying, but only a few out of that audience reached back out and said, you know what, we're tired of the same stuff too. Like we want to institute some change here too. And so we came together and it was a consortium at the, at, at the beginning, but we just started talking about what can we do to change the norms um, within within construction, and so you have an engineer on the design side, and you know construction, the ins installers on the construction side, on the build side. But what's unique about these players is they also have manufacturing components to their businesses. Um, so 
the, the consortium consists of KLH as the engineer. You have Rexmore Electric out of Sacramento, California as the electrical contractor, the installer. Their sister company is called Construction Innovations. They're electrical components manufacturer also out of Sacramento. Then we have Tweet Garrett Mechanical, mechanical contractor out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, who has also built this enormous facility that allows them to manufacture. Now, why is manufacturing important here? Right, Manufacturing principles have existed forever. Um, and so construction, again, being one of those laggards to technology trends is, you know, how do we implement manufacturing, implement manufacturing principles into the uh, into, into the construction process. You know, said differently, how can we build off-site right assemblies, um, um, or 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 how do we assemble kits, ship it to a job site, and then like literally, I'm not trying to simple oversimplify this, but in, it, it becomes almost like Lego construction, like a plug and, and a play, literally plug and play, um, almost like an IKEA model. I think that's a little overstated and sure. cliched. I hear that a lot. But those that are doing it know it's a very powerful model that saves, you know, it reduces waste, it reduces material waste, and it capitalizes on the opportunities for repeatable tasks. And, and, and these types of manufacturing principles make repeatable tasks scalable in, in, in a really significant way. And these were companies that were doing it. But and they were experiencing success as a result. The, the missing piece, though, was the connection of design into that process. So how do we productize our designs? Said differently is how are we identifying within a BIM model, a data-rich model, all of the assembly opportunities that exist on a four-story hotel, on a new hospital, on a new, new school, elementary school. You know, it doesn't matter what the application is. There are hundreds of cases and examples of where they are installing the same things over and over and over again. And there it's just an enormous amount of labor waste that exists on a job site when they're doing that. And so this presents an opportunity to streamline that and ultimately provide more value to the owner uh, at the end of the day. The other thing, Liz, that 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 is emerging as a result of domain, which is its own entity and is winning work, a significant amount of work, is the introduction to an emerging trend. Uh, it's, it's modular construction. So think of what I just described as offsite assemblies. Now, this could be like, you know, switch gear being assembled, a, a head wall in a patient room, you know, prefabricated um, pump racks. But think of it now in terms of an entire space. Now, the most simple um, example of this would be like a, a multifamily apartment complex, maybe a dorm on a university campus, something, again, repeatable, or a hotel, right, where the rooms are repeatable. It, it allows, um, so modular construction is the same concept and principle, but building the entire space off-site, then shipping it to the job site and again, literally bolting it on to the to the to the building, and so that is an emerging trend that is taking root um, with more progressive owners. You know, I'm hearing uh, that uh, Kaiser 
health is a, is a big proponent proponent of modular construction. It's also taking root in, in Wisconsin and Chicago with Advocate Aurora Health, but we're on a significant uh, student living project out in, in California. I mean, it's like a thousand units. Okay, so just to give you a perspective on scale, um, it's about a, a billion dollar uh, construction budget. And, you know, the whole objective here is to prove that modular construction can compete, cost compete with traditional stick build. And we're doing that in a really significant way. And I share that because I am positioning, we are positioning KLH to be at the front of the line when that trend becomes the expectation in the industry. That's awesome. So the last one, number five, is a pre-seed startup. Again, this whole this whole evolution of, of KLH is like pr just promoting thinking and acting like a startup. Like everything is on the line here, right? Behaviorally, that is what instigates that type of change, both organizationally and personally. Um, and, and so the fifth one here is a pre-seed startup called Configure. And what Configure aims to do, um, and it, it's separating from KLH for, for a whole host of, of reasons, and that, that is important. But as we're, um, you know, kind of scrumming through that, that, that process, that legal process, I can still share that, you know, Configure aims to provide more trust and transparency within the industry. Again, it's kind of a waste statement. But there's also a, a lack of, of transparency that exists in terms of, you know, major building products. I'm not talking about commodities. I'm talking about engineered order products like I mentioned chiller plants earlier, boilers, you know, generators, switchgear, uh, electrical distribution system. That, 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 that is More what I'm talking about. specific products. Yeah, lighting products. It doesn't have to be these huge hefty products, but it's also like, you know, lighting. It can be plumbing fixtures. It can be a whole host of different things. You know, configure, uh, frankly, is, is, is going to become a marketplace for construction where, where owners, where contractors, where vendors, where distributors, they can all, um, they can all collaborate and um, you know match products uh, they can they can represent their their products their equipment their brand on the platform in a meaningful way that allows users or specifiers like engineers and architects to find these products because you know frankly the way that market intelligence is done by manufacturers in construction is to bring a box of donuts to our <laughs> office and say, Hey, what are you working on? Um, and that just isn't a real effective way to capture market intelligence. Whereas configure provides that data to many, where, where are they performing? Well, where are they not? What markets are they not performing? Well, what products are moving more frequently than others? So there's all sorts of value that gets introduced as a result of this, but we are, like I said, pre-seed, we're getting re ready to begin our, our, our seed round. Uh, we have a, uh, a lead investor all, uh, you know, kind of on tap and ready to go. We're excited about that uh, and what it means to the organization. But, you know, Liz, the thing that I, I loved about, you know, you inviting me on this podcast 
to begin with is you mentioned, you know, how are, you know, how are companies and organizations promoting entrepreneurship type thinking within their businesses? And this, the five verticals that I just laid out, but more importantly, LevCon and Configure have opened our eyes now to this opportunity to create, because I mean, frankly, KLH incubated these startups. And if we can do it there, why not continue that, that, uh, that pattern, um, you know, outside of that? Uh, so what, what Bob Heil, the current CEO of KLH, uh, he and I are discussing right now, culturally and organizationally, is how do we structure, um, you know, an incubator type of, of environment within KLH's walls? Uh, and, and, you know, to be fair, we've already been acting like it and doing it for the last several years. So it's not something necessarily new, but putting some, you know, some, some structure, some scaffolding, around yeah, some, it. You know, sca yeah. putting more scaffolding around it and building it up to be more official. And that way we are promoting not only with our current employees that, Hey, if you've got a great idea, you know, but, 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 you know, from a talent acquisition perspective, you know, I think this could be an enormous attractant for uh, for talent out there to come work for KLH, knowing that this type of opportunity exists. Again, at, at, at the foundation level, we are an engineering company. We still need to be we still need to be conducting that work. However, if you have a great idea, something that makes sense, whether it's adjacent to construction, whether it's in construction, we're going to listen to it. And, it and it converts our shareholders into a, um, you know, none of us are, are, we're not angel investors here, but it, it positions us to kind of act like it. And I think Absolutely. that's pretty damn cool. Absolutely. And so if we're able to listen to a great idea and say, you know what, <clears throat> excuse me, we are, we are willing to invest in this idea and invest in you as the founder. That's pretty special. And it also, you know, what is the alternative? The alternative is, you know, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to put everything on the line which I think is great. Most, most founders do that, but there's a lot, there's a lot of risk that exists with that. Um, whereas we're, we're willing to, to, to support it financially, but also the, all the infrastructure from a IT perspective and a resource perspective <clears throat> exists within the walls. So that type of, you know, um, you know, the, the, those types of resources are available to the, to, you know, to those perspective, intrapreneurs, as we like to say it. But quite frankly, you know, I'm excited about what this means because I just laid out the five. What's number six? What's, What's number seven? What's idea? number eight? Yeah. And the thing that I love the most is, is this is not good grammar, but we ain't going to stop innovating, right? <laughs> this is just who we are now. We are not going to get complacent just because we're now enjoying significant success on the shoulders of the, the engineering business, you know, and all the other verticals that are starting to produce revenue in a, in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's, you know, we're just not going to stop. We're going to continue this trend and it's, it's real, it's fun, you know, and you know, I'm, I, it reminds me and, and you're going to love this. I, th I think <laughs> back when, you know, we were done with that offsite in 2016, <clears throat> I was terrified uh, of like, okay, how do we get this thing off the ground? And I asked Joe Coors, again, the former president CEO, how do we know we're on the right path? And he goes, Jim, I'll tell you, it's when it starts getting fun. And that has stuck with me 
uh, through this all because we're having a ball over at KLH great. and I'm, I'm damn proud. Uh, just to bring this full circle, I love that you guys started as Blockbuster basically and, and Netflix was on the way and now you guys are basically a mini startup incubator and, and are learning what that looks like and, and how to make it from there. So that's that's the story. I can't I can't add anything more to it. I'm so excited to see where you guys go. Um, bringing joy to construction. Love that. You said engineers aren't creative. You are creative because that's one of the best taglines I've heard in a while. Um, and yeah, I just I love I love the story of you guys taking a really honest look at where you are and then doing true innovation, which is awkward and clunky, but ends up with getting to look your employees in the face and saying, if you have an idea, we can bring it to life. So um I think it, I think it's lunchtime from what I understand if I hear my stomach correctly, but Jim, that, that, that's the story that we just want to shout from the rooftops. We love to hear it. We're excited to see where you guys go. Um, quick as we wrap up, how can people find you guys, support you guys, um, get in touch with KLH? Um, you can find us on our website, uh, K-L-H-E-N-G-R-S.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, and not to mention, we're just like we're everywhere. We're speaking, you know, if there's a conference worth attending, we're going to be speaking at it. Another cultural change over the last six years, you know, we're finding those opportunities to, to, to spread thought leadership and to provoke, not prescribe uh, changes in behavior and necessary change within the industry. Because again, we can't do this alone. If, if we're all going to enjoy the, the, the change that needs to occur within the industry, um, it needs to be everyone moving in that direction. Um, Liz, I appreciate the opportunity to come on on the podcast. I thank you. I think Venture Labs and Awesome Inc. Um, wonderful stuff you're doing, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm flattered to just just the privilege to to be on to be on your show. Thanks for letting us tell your story, and uh, thanks for coming all the way down. We're excited for people to hear it. We'll see you next time. tuning in everyone if you know someone who should be on our show even if it's you reach out to us at innovationincubated.com and while you're on our website sign up for our newsletter lastly thanks to our sponsor apex software the right software partner can change everything so reach out today at apexsoftware.com until next time go team